All right, some fitting introductory music to our wonderful interview we're about to start on right now with May Gibson Brown. She's the founder and director of the Salt and Pepper Gospel Choir, which was an integrated group that started it in 1984 and that made really an indelible mark on New Haven and on all the far-flung venues where they performed over the years. I think uh, the, the group stayed together for 30 years. I'm not sure if it's still together, but May will tell us. May, thank you so yeah. much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for asking me to do this, Richard. And just one quick co- correction. Yeah. I am co-founder of the Salt and Pepper. The other person who made a very big mark on with it is uh, Sheila D. Bonnenberger. So uh-huh. I don't like to claim access to something that's not, you know, totally, it's something uh, yeah. that's done with someone. And we have been together and still, are, as a matter of fact, Monday nights is still rehearsal nights. Uh, and during COVID, of course, we were put on hold, but back together again. Wonderful. And so, oh, yeah. that's yeah. fantastic. That is incredible. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to pay close attention to your uh, schedule and uh, try to get to the next performance. Uh, do you happen to know when that is by any chance? Because of Chuck's passing, I had to take a leave because uh, I had to take yeah. a leave. So right. they have been doing things and traveling and stuff, but I have not been part of it since his past. I got you. Well, I, that brings up the reason we're here tonight, and that is to memorialize the passing of Chuck Brown, Chucky, uh, also mm-hmm. also uh, give the, given, the given name Charles Cleveland Brown, who yes. made a huge impression on New Haven with his unbelievable stellar talent in so many areas as a dancer, as a singer and director, choir director. Chuck Brown left us in December. That's correct. And we are all still reeling from that. So we're going to, we're going to try to share some stories and some music by Chucky tonight. And I'm going to rely on you may to give us, you know, some interesting anecdotes mm-hmm. about how he from age three to his yeah. adulthood pursued and and developed as one of the most dynamic gospel singers in new haven and of course he branched mm-hmm. out into other genres of music including my group mikata which he joined in 1984 that was an mm-hmm. we called it an afro-caribbean funk band we did a lot of original stuff and chuck was there from the beginning performing with us at big venues like Sounds of Brazil and New York and a lot of New York nightclubs, and then went on tour with us to the colleges, to Japan, and to Canada. So that was a whole new experience, and I'll tell you more about that in a little bit, but why don't you tell us how Chuck developed from literally infancy into the giant that he became uh, in his adulthood? Thank you so much. I... Uh, Chuck is the, my youngest. He was my youngest. He was the youngest of six. And he had, it was four girls and two boys. Chuck is the youngest boy, youngest child and the youngest son. And he was really unusual from from very young, very young. Um, I noticed that he just loved music and loved uh, uh, as a baby. And when he would start to get fussy or start to cry, I would hold him in my arm with his head in my hands and his little feet on my lap. And it's, and I would sing to him. 
but not just sing to him. I would put my lips on his lips and let him hear the feel the vibration. Hmm. I don't. I couldn't tell you the reason I did it. I couldn't tell you if you paid me. <laughs> but I found out that when I would do that, it would just soothe his whole body. It seemed. Yeah. And we, we get fussy, with, and not just crying because he's hungry or something needs to change, but when he was just kind of restless and couldn't get himself settled down, I would put him in that position and start singing to him and allowing him to put my, put me putting my lips on his, and he felt feel the vibration. And his little body would just, sh- just seem as though it just calmed right down eyes get very big and he would just stare at me wow. and when I realized that that was that was happening I used it for you know the whole time of his infancy wow. and it it not only did it come but it developed a bond between the two of us that was different in some way from what I'd done with other children I don't have any, I don't know why but it that's sort of so he he basically grew because we were all gospel singers listening to us sing at the house. Mm-hmm. Was that, was, was that you guys just singing extemporaneously or yeah. was it organized events no, in your house? No, no, no. At first it was just that I came from a family that there was always music in the home. I came from West Virginia. My dad was the choir master of the church there. Mm-hmm. So we did not, we we never had a television, so we had a radio, and it stayed on constantly. Hmm. I remember once when we got a Victrola, <laughs> hmm. and you had to we had to crank it. So music has always been around. So I've always appreciated it. And when I had children of my own, it was just a given that music was be part of our life. Yeah. And so when Chuck was around, we would be cleaning. But we had a schedule where Saturday mornings was cleaning time. <laughs> and so what you would do is just have music playing and singing. You know. When he got big enough to join the crew, we put a dust cloth in his hand and gave him something to dust. <laughs> yeah. And then he had to sing too, I guess, right? Singing, yes, that was part <laughs> of it. <laughs> so this was mostly you folks singing along with stuff you were hearing on the radio or were you just singing we, were, we, we had we had records you know the, the, the 78s and yeah you know, all of and we would be playing music and we'd hear parts and we'd sing it and then at other times we would just have nothing and we would be singing what we'd heard and songs we'd learned things like that and this you were already in a choir was this in new haven by the way it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you were already involved in your church choir, I, I presume. That's correct. Yeah. That's and correct, uh, yeah. right, all right. And what, what church was that? And uh, what was your role in it? St. James Church on Lawrence Street uh-huh. in New Haven. Yeah. Okay. And you were just one of the members of the choir, or, or did, were you no. a lead, lead singer, or what? I did a lot of lead singing. Yeah, I'll, I did a lot of lead. Singing. I'll bet. Myself I'll and, bet. A, and a gentleman named William Brunson, and another gentleman that was Robert Harrison. A, a, a lady by the name of Lily, Lily uh, Newborn. We just—it was just people that most of them have passed away, sadly. But um, 
you know, that happens. Uh, I happen to be 84 now. So, mm-hmm. so your, your friends, you know, start yeah. dropping off a little by little. We're speaking with Mae Gibson Brown, who is uh, a force of nature. And uh, I'm so glad that she uh, made time and actually so generously in the face of her grieving process, which is continuing. I know, you know, from my own experience that three months out or four months out or five months out or even two or three years out doesn't complete the process. So we are really grateful that you stepped up to do this tonight because we do want to experience some of very interesting music that I I recorded from Chuck. These are like old I guess you call yeah. them classic old school gospel songs, and the yeah. way the way that came about was that Chuck when when he left Mikata and he went out he went out on Broadway tours doing uh, the touring companies. He did that I think for a couple of years, and then at some point he came back to New Haven, and I ran into him, and I you know we were hanging out and trying to revive uh, some of the magic of the earlier days, and I I said to him. You know, maybe he might have played a song up in my studio or something. I said, oh, my God, I got to learn how to do that. So I I asked him, I said, would you teach me gospel piano? And he said, "Um, hmm, (laughs) uh, I will try, but I I don't know if I will succeed. But anyway, so we set up a a regular meeting time once a week. I would go over there. I'd bring my little Panasonic tape recorder, which I bought for $25 at Office Max. And I would record first the way he did it was he would he would say, OK, let me let me sing this song for you and see if you like it, if you want to learn it. So he'd sing the song. I would record it, him singing it and playing the piano. And then he would we'd go back and I would record him playing the individual parts uh, on the piano, the, you know, the, the right hand mm-hmm. followed, followed by the left hand. And uh, he was extremely patient and extremely clear with that. He wanted to make sure I, I got it. So we went through the, went out for about eight weeks doing that. So I wound up with eight uh, songs that CC, we call them CC or Chucky, sang into my Panasonic tape recorder. And I was going through the tapes recently, which I call Chucky's Gospel. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, my God, I started listening to them. And I was like sitting there with tears running down my cheeks because it was so... <coughs> Powerful, excuse me. Powerful to relive those days when we when he taught me those those songs and just to hear him, which we're about to do, sing and <laughs> you know, as if he was in front of at the Kennedy Center in Washington or something. I mean, completely all the stops kicked out. He he was just letting it out and it was so wonderful. And I captured it on this little tape recorder and then I my friend Jeff McQuillan, who you may know, may um, was yeah. uh, one of the you know, founding men, members of Mikata. Mm-hmm. He um, helped me get it onto digital format, and so then I was able to put it on a CD and, and give you copies, and whoever, yeah. whoever else wants copies can, can have them. Maybe at this juncture, since I've been talking so much about him singing, maybe we should listen to one song, and then we'll come back and we'll share some more stories. Now let me see if I can get this. Let me see if I can get this to work. Okay, here we go. Let's give it a shot.
What, I don't know if you've heard these yet, so, uh, you know. Yeah, I did get a chance to listen, and it's just, uh, oh, such a young voice. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was uh, yeah, it, that's a very powerful, and it's such an old song Yeah, that we've sang for years and years and years in the churches. Yeah, so that that was part of the project was, I said, because I've, been a fan of gospel music for a long time. I, I haven't made the transition to modern gospel music. I haven't really mm-hmm. been able to cross mm-hmm. over to that sound. And yeah. so I, when he, we would, did this, he said, what do you want to learn? I said, old school. And so he said, okay. And he just opened up his, yeah. you know, mental library and out popped, mm-hmm. you know, these eight songs that uh, he, yeah. he tried to teach me. And I, some of them I actually really did learn. So um, it was just a wonderful experience for me. But, that that he remembered these songs because they were mostly part of his early childhood. Uh, uh, early, you know. Uh, I'm I'm going to say elementary school. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's been in touch with these songs. Well, t- t- maybe give us a little historiography about the, about the modern churches and where gospel choirs exist in New Haven and elsewhere, has the, has the repertoire changed, you know, as it dropped off, dropped all these old school songs and, and, and moved on to modern material? 
Yeah, some of it has been dropped, and some of it, some of our musicians have tweaked uh, it a little bit, and you know, mm-hmm. changed it around some. Mm. But a, a lot of what we did then was what we call the big choir sounds. Yeah, and that is not happening as much now. It's smaller groups and lots more music. Um, and that's the thing that that I wish could change. Before you could hear you could hear the piano and you could hear the singing mm. and somehow drum added on was really a good beat. Right. But now you've got a couple of organs and you've got a couple of guitars and you've got some loud this it almost drowns out a lot of the words that the people are are, are singing and you have to listen hard to hear the lyrics. I hear that. Well, you know, that was interesting because I was talking to Jeff McQuillan about about Chuck's performance on these very primitive tapes that I made. And I said, you know, it's you know, it's it's just a piano player. And yet the way his the arrangement he's playing and the way he or- orchestrates, you know, his choice of notes, it sounds like a full band because he's he's filling in all those kind of call and response things that happen at the at the mm-hmm. instru- instrument level, you know, and it's uh, it's just kind of <laughs> mind blowing, you know, when you hear that you hear some one one person doing it and singing at the same time, you know, is uh, yeah, yeah he, magic. He, he's he's been blessed blessed with a lot of musicals. He and he, well, as I said, he was the youngest, but my oldest daughter is Janet. Uh-huh. And they and they were they had a bond between them that was unlike any that I'd seen in, in years. Um, <laughs> they would just go places together. He take she'd take him places, and he was exposed to things that she was exposed. To. She was in the first group of girls that graduated from Hopkins. Oh. And Chuck was going to foot school, and so their their um, vacation times were the same. It was not like the New Haven Public School. Yeah. So they and, and so while I was the birth mother for him, he Janet somebody took over and um, <laughs> you know and and she, both of them had a second, seven octave range in their voices. Mm, my God. So they just did a lot together. Yeah. Well, as I was you know singing along with these things now that I, that I have mm-hmm. the space and and kind of privacy to do it, you know. I, I I get up to it and I'm trying to pick up on some of the higher notes that CC is singing, and uh, I I break into falsetto, and uh, mm-hmm. he didn't have to. No, he he just he like belted it out. And he was up there and yeah. like oh my god, like he said, uh, I don't know how many yeah. octaves above middle C, but it was really really um, mm-hmm. amazing what he was able to do. And then he had a you know he could. As you point out, he could he could sing in the lower registers as well. Yes. And um, let me say one word or two about what he did in Mikata, because it was really um, another one of these Chuck is a magic person <laughs> kind of situations. Yes, so he stepped into this band. Now, this band was, at the time, you know, just like Salt and Pepper, was mm-hmm. a, a revolutionary group because it was defying the convention of the time, which was basically... 
you know, almost apartheid. You know, I mean, in some ways it still is. But, mm-hmm. but at that time, with Ronald Reagan as president, and there was a kind of a dark p- pall that fell, fell over the nation and affecting race relations. And your group, you know, was an integrated group. And in that sense, it was breaking convention. It was making a, a statement. I, I don't know if you meant to, but to me, it was a powerful thing to hear and see people working together across yeah. racial lines and mm-hmm. uh, doing it in a beautiful way. So Mikata, from the beginning, was an integrated group. I mean, that's, not, that's nothing new. Jazz groups and all along, you know, for, for decades and decades yeah. have been uh, integrated in certain situations. But Mikata, um, you know, we had our front line was uh, three singers, and Chuck was, I guess, sort of the, the leader of the three and he came in you know, I mean, the kid was 19 years old he had mm-hmm. never heard the kind of music never heard it the, the kind of music mm-hmm. that we were playing in that band mm-hmm. which was you know like um sukus from from west uh, central africa and and uh, soca from the caribbean and mm-hmm. different different rhythms from africa and this kind of stuff and um and also the, the the intonation and the accent that was required to sing it, you know, it was like sort of a West African style uh, uh, dialect. And uh, man, he without even a moment's hesitation, he picked it up. And it was like for for a composer, which I was doing at that time, I was writing quite a few of the songs for Mikata. It was kind of like you know, waking up in heaven because this guy, you would come up with an idea and right back at you, he would, he would get it and give it back to you the way, the way you wanted to hear it. I don't know if you knew any of this stuff because he was doing this, you know, like, as I said, uh, he was, he was 19, I believe. I think Paul Hall, who was his best mm-hmm. friend was 18 and, or yes, I think there were a year difference. And, and and you know they each they each had their strong points, but Chuck had that ability just to swallow it and and give it back to you, uh, mm-hmm. just the way you dreamed it would be. And uh, so I was, you know, forever amazed and and uh, charmed by that. He so. enjoyed being with that group so much, and you know he he would sing anywhere he had a space to do so. We lived yeah. on Winthrop Avenue, uh, right off of Whaley. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you the number of times that at one or two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> I was awakened by a sound. <laughs> and it was him on Whaley Avenue, on his way home from downtown, singing at his top, at the top of his lungs. <laughs> I believe it. I, I, I've heard him on the street. I would wake up and, and all of a sudden I go, okay, Chuck's home. <laughs> he had to, we lived about, uh, I guess, seven houses in. But mm-hmm. he would be singing, walking down Whaley Avenue yeah. in full voice. Yeah. And I guess people didn't bother. They think he probably was a little, a little nutty or something. <laughs> and they just looked at him and he left him alone. Mm-hmm. He would come home full of the music of whatever you've been rehearsing or whatever, he would be so full of it, you wow. know. Wow. Feeling that he couldn't let go of it. Man. Yeah, he enjoyed it. 
What a what a wonderful story. We're talking to Mae Gibson Brown, uh, mother of Charles Cleveland Brown, better known as Cece or Chucky, who um, left this world in uh, December, this past December, and uh, you know we're still trying to pick up the pieces and come to grips with it. Those people who worked with him, those people who <laughs> you know nurtured him as family, uh, we're all you know. Dealing with it at different levels. Obviously, May has <laughs> got the biggest job. But um, so um, we're going to. Uh, I just want to mention, by the way, that you're listening to the WPKN in Bridgeport, eighty nine point five FM, and streaming online at WPKN.org. My name is Richard Hill, and this is First Tuesday Rainy Day Radio. And uh, I think we did get some rain last night. Uh, so. Shall, shall we listen to another song? Uh, yes. Yeah, so this one, I, I don't have the actual titles, but I, I just kind of, by mm-hmm. listening to them, uh, Teach Me, Teach Me, O Lord, is, is, the, is yeah. what I got from that it one. Needs to be a statue, yeah, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And, uh, okay, so this is one of my favorites, and i got a pretty decent balance between his voice and his piano on this one, so let's check it out. Oh, Lord, 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 o
and teach me, Master. I wanna know, wanna know how to get down on my knees and pray. Just teach me how to walk every day, and I shall observe with my Yes, indeed. And uh, I think that that gave an example of uh, his range when he was yes, up. Yes, you know, So, oh, my. I mean, he could, wow. go, he could go higher, and I think we're going to hear him do that tonight. Yes. But I, th- that was like, you know, yes. from, I guess, I don't know what, what you'd call it, baritone or bass. He, he went up to, uh, I guess, a, I don't know if that's. A high alto or a low soprano, but yeah, uh, yeah, it was definitely up there. Mm-hmm. Wonderful stuff, wonderful mm-hmm. stuff. As uh, Chucky used to say, "Wonderful, wonderful." <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, May, uh, take us further from the Mikata days, which ended, you know, when Chucky went to Broadway on, mm-hmm. you know, I think in '89 or '90, mm-hmm. um, and then. Uh, and then you know you had that one really pretty amazing run on the road companies with road companies going around different parts of the country. With, mm-hmm, uh, you did. Do you remember the plays he did with those companies? Well, he, he did, of course, Mufasa on the with the Lion King on Broadway. Uh-huh. Um, so he you- also played John in um, Miss Saigon. This on is, Broadway. This is on Broadway. This is not road companies. Yeah. yeah. No, no, the road companies he did Rent, and of course Dream Girls. Right, right. Forever and a day it seemed like. Uh huh. And I would follow. He would go somewhere uh, with the Rent or with Miss um, Saigon. He did did some of the road companies with Miss Saigon, and he'd say, he'd "Call on me, and say, Ma, I've been here three weeks. Hmm. It's time for you to come." Yeah. And I was I, mean, I got excited and the next day or so the ticket was here and I was on the plane and I was on, you know, mm-hmm. to Florida, uh Seattle, Washington, Dallas, Texas, wherever he was. Yeah. Wow. It took me a little while though, Richard, to realize that he wasn't just really uh just just wanting to see me. I had cooked for the whole company. <laughs> I remember one time they were in Ohio doing Thanksgiving, and he had said, "Now, Ma, you know we we need you." Right. So I I go and uh, you know they would be living in condos that were in a line, you know, in a row. Mm. I would have ham in their oven, and the next oven would have a turkey in that one, and the next one would be peeling potatoes for potato salad, and then would be getting things together. For, and so I. For Thanksgiving, we I would cook for maybe forty to fifty people. Wow! And it went from city to city. It took me just a little while to get what was going on. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, some people work in soup kitchens on Thanksgiving, but uh, mm-hmm. you were you had a road company soup kitchen. I had, yeah, I was with them for road companies. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Oh man, that is really funny. at all. Yeah, I, it's kind of hard being on. As he said to me, it's a really lonely job out there doing bus and truck. Uh, I think it's what they called it, bus and truck. What is that? Like what does that mean? They're traveling from city to city. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, carrying, yeah. Truck is carrying all the equipment, and the bus got the, all the members in it now. Right. He did that for a while. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's well, the road is not. I, I mean, I never did an extended road trip except for the one mm-hmm. where you we went to Japan. But that, even that right. was only for a week. But uh, that was very stressful. And yes, it was. And the and the college tours we did it might be three or four mm-hmm. da- three or four days before we came mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Very, um, you know, very exhausting and yeah, to of some course. to some degree rewarding because you know you got to play for a variety of audiences, but. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, it wasn't a, a lifestyle I, I particularly wanted to yeah. continue. You know. Yeah, it's 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 rough on your body too. Absolutely, totally. Mm-hmm. That traveling is is what does it. Yeah, it is. So after Broadway and the road companies, Chuck came back to New Haven, and there was some you know period of time when he was in and out of town, but he wound up in. Uh, I think he went, my memory is he wound up in either North or South Carolina. So I'm sorry, I'm confusing the two, but tell us what happened when he went South and then wound up in Maryland. Well, um, his, his going South uh, was most about what I remember of it. Unless, you know, there's probably areas of it that I'm leaving out, but he was at North Carolina School of the Performing Arts for a while. I'm sorry, would you, would you repeat that? I, I missed the... Uh... The first yeah, part of your sentence. He was in North Carolina at one point at the North Carolina School of Performing Arts. Oh, I see. A, he, he was teaching there. He was. I know he was. I'm going to go back when he was a student there. Ah. Now he was. That was one of the things. He did. I just want to bring that in because he he really excelled a lot after that and doing that. He came home once after one semester and he said to me, "When we go back, we are in for a big test, and we got to." We we got to smoke that test. I said, "Oh, okay." And he said, "Because what was going to happen is that his professor had said if everybody passed the test, that she would take them to her house and cook them a dinner." Well, Chuck loved food, and uh, he. I remember the day he called me. He said, "Well, the test was today," and I said, "Well, how did you do?" He's all oh, the whole class. Pants, mom. The whole class. He said, "So our professor is taking us tomorrow to her house and cooking dinner for us." Mm-hmm. His his professor was Maya Angelou. Oh my god! And she took that whole class to her house. Wow! And prepared a southern meal for them. Wow! Wow! Triple. Mm-hmm. So then, when he went, when he was in the south, he was he would be playing at churches a little bit here and there, but then he did wind up going into Maryland, which by some means is southern part of it. Yeah. Um, and he had to sing for someone's funeral. And he said after the singing, he was approached by a couple of gentlemen saying, where do you work and what do you do? 
Mm-hmm. And he said, well, believe it or not, I, I am just getting ready to go back to New Haven. Uh, I feel like it's time for me to go back there to stay mm. and do things in my hometown. Right. Mm-hmm. And they said, would you consider a job in Maryland? He said, no, because my mind is really turned toward Connecticut. Yeah. They said, well, would you have lunch with us? And he did. And they said to him, we need you here mm-hmm. in Maryland. And they had a contract, a proposal is what it was, written out. Mm-hmm. And he said, they said to him, what would it take for you to stay in Maryland? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you know, they said, we know you need a house, need a lift. We know you need a car. He said, I don't necessarily need a car. I don't mind doing public transportation. They said to him, how much would we need to give you? What would we need to offer you? And Chuck said he gave them a ridiculous price. Mm-hmm. He said because he knew that he was already headed to Connecticut. They wrote something on the bottom of the proposal and pushed it across the table to him. According to Chuck, they had offered him $10,000 more than he had asked for. Oh my God. So I guess Connecticut took wings about then. <laughs> And so that that was, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. He stayed there, and the the ministry was called Zion, and um, I guess it was starting out at Landover, and then it spread out over the next 12, 15 years into five different buildings. And I know there's Fort Washington, Maryland. There's Woodbridge, Virginia, uh, Greenbelt, Maryland. As I said, uh, Landover, and there's five of them. I can't think of all the five churches. And he, at his passing, was the global vocal director for all five of those locations. And the membership of that church was over 10,000 people. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. He was doing so many specials and things of that nature. Um, When he came home for Thanksgiving of last year. Um, he didn't even stay here at my home with us. He said, I need to be somewhere that I can work. I'm working on this project and I just got to get it finished. Mm. So he stayed at the, um, courtyard right on Whaley Avenue. That's across from Popeye's. Yes. That's where he stayed because he needed to be up late working on his music and working on the things for it. What they had done is they had shut down the, Seven Flags at, in Maryland, and he produced, wrote, directed, and took one of the roles in the play that they did. he did for Christmas, which was Miracle on Z Street, Z for Zion. And he worked on it because he wanted it done so it could be put up and, and to be seen and all. Uh, and finished it on that Thursday night. Uh, went home sat down and went to sleep and never woke up. My God. I have not yet been able to see the play. I will at some point, but I'm not ready for it yet. Mm. Wow. So that play is still being performed? Well, it was performed for the Christmas season. I'm told by my children that I would be able to see it at some play. I'm not ready to do that yet, Mm. Um, but. And, of course, I, I don't know if you were able to view the services in his honor 
his memorial service. No, I didn't. Um, I didn't get the link to that, so I have to. Well, I will make sure that Janet gets it to you. Wonderful. I absolutely make sure. It was three hours long, Fantastic. and near the end of it, the pastor of the church, Keith Battle, was called over to the side, and someone whispered something to him. He came back to the microphone and said, "I was just told that there were fourteen hundred people viewing it on on Zoom." Huh. Okay. Wow. Um, and one of the most interesting parts about that is the music was done by Chuck. Really? They had they had such a productive company. It's such a it, 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 it's a, it's like it, you would have thought it was a Broadway show. They would have him up on the big screen singing, and his praise team group was backing him up, standing on stage. Wow! <laughs> it was that, such a production. Really, it's yeah. amazing. But yeah. I will. They can get the link because I, I myself would like to say, you know, there were a lot of interruptions of people coming up to me and all, but I would love to be able to see it at some point, and I haven't been able to do that. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing what I can do right now, and I will do more when I'm able to do more. And I do want to see this, the, the service again. Mm. Um, but I, I left, there were some parts of it that I missed. Yeah. And so I, I'm planning to do look at it at some point. We're speaking with May Gibson Brown. She is the uh, co-founder of Salt and Pepper Gospel Choir, which has made its mark on New Haven and on many many regions of the Northeast and probably elsewhere as well. An integrated gospel group, which was a groundbreaking concept back in the '80s when it started back in 1984. Uh, mm-hmm. May is a, a fantastic singer in her own right. We're before this hour is up. We're going to on the same recording sessions that I did with Chucky. I, I have you singing a, a song, and I, we'll play that in a minute. But <laughs> yeah, I know how it is. But anyway, it's just it's just such a great pleasure, not to mention an honor to have your voice, you know, mingling with mine. I'm I'm, I'm so privileged to do this. I, I really feel like it. You've always been. You know, when I've come to concerts where you've been doing lead singing or whatever with Salt and Pepper, I've always waited for my chance to go up and get a huge hug from you. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I'm a big hugger. I'm a big hugger. Yeah. But, yeah, but I, I, I need to share something else with you, Richard, if we have a minute. Absolutely. Uh, the choir, Chucky directed and played for the choir for several years, several years. And he would always say to me, Ma, there are about 12 people in the alto section. So you don't need to give it that much energy. Hmm. You, can, you, can, you can back it down a little bit and blend in better. And I thought that's what I was doing. We went to a concert up in Maine. It was so cold at the time that we went there that they kept the piano in a heated box. So we're in the, in the concert hall. And everything was set to go. Chuck getting ready to direct us and play for us and all. And everybody was excited that we had never been there before. Must have had about 40, 45 people. We were singing a song, and all of a sudden, Chuck stopped the music. Got up from the piano, turned around to the audience, said, I'm so sorry, but my mother just hit a sour note, so we got to do this part over again. (laughs) She did not. Oh, my God. Yes, he did, in the middle of the concert. 
I had could have gone through the floor, I would have. Oh yeah. But I tell you, he never had to tell me to blend in again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's... And you just start, and the, the, and we had to wait till the audience calmed down. They laughed so hard. <laughs> Trial by fire that that time. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, May. Let's let's listen to one more by Chucky, and uh, and then we're going to finish it off with uh, a, a rousing version of a song that I think will inspire many people, sung by you. So this one is, if I'm not mistaken, "Blessed Assurance," which, yeah. which is uh, one of my favorites. And I no, did old, old me. It's a hymn, the old hymn. Uh huh. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, the, the way Chuck did it on piano yeah. ma- made it into a very dynamic and soul-wrenching experience. <laughs> and I said, I got to learn that. And I actually did. I actually learned how to play this song. I think there's a, a modulation in there, and I, I got mm-hmm. that. Of course, in the intervening years, I've forgotten much, but I have the tapes, and I'm going to try to go back and relearn. But anyway, let's mm-hmm. take a listen to Blessed Assurance with... Chuck Brown singing and playing the piano, believe it or not. If he could just do the piano that you're about to hear, you would say, you know, this guy is something of a genius. But he's singing full throttle with this amazing piano performance. So just stunning to me. Here we go.
I think those were the high notes that I was talking about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wasn't that? That was some modulation, yeah. Yeah, that was incredible. That was mm-hmm. Incredible. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, Chucky Brown singing Blessed Assurance and recorded on a uh, $25 Panasonic cassette recorder and eventually mm-hmm. just recently mm-hmm. transferred to digital. And uh, so we were able to uh, give mm-hmm. Give May a copy, and, and I was able to have one here to play tonight. Yeah, so that was Chuck singing for an audience of one. Right? <laughs> Imagine him in front of, of a packed church or, you know, a, a Broadway audience or something. The, the, mm-hmm. kind, the kind of energy and creative power he would he would exude. But that's the thing with him. He, when the tape started rolling, or when when his creative juices started flowing, he didn't care who was listening. He just he just. Poured it out. Thing on the table. I was lo- lucky enough to be there as, mm-hmm. a, as a witness and actually a recorder of it. We're almost out of time, and I'd love to finish up with this thrilling rendition of an old song that is so important to so many people in the civil rights movement and beyond. We shall overcome. And mm-hmm. uh, right at the beginning of the song, you're gonna, before it starts, you hear uh, Chucky say something like. Oh no 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 no! My mother's a ham. She, you know, she. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, this is my arrangement. This is mine. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> he didn't. He didn't want you to take any of his credit away from him. So never, never. I, I'm good. I'm good. Very good with that. <laughs> he was on on guard. He was on guard for it. So we'll listen to this, and then we'll come back and say goodbye to. Uh, our listeners and thank you for being with us may but uh, let's listen it's a little story behind this before we do it chuck was teaching me this song you know he was teaching me how to play this arrangement it's pretty hard actually because it's you know it's got a powerful driving rhythm to it he added that to the sort of old style of singing it you know at demonstrations and stuff like that and it had a kind of a marching quality to it and a driving force so he was working on that with me and then in the middle of that you walked in I'm talking for the audience. I'm talking about May. Ch- Chuck's mother walked in, carrying in both hands groceries, and uh, wearing a winter coat. And before you even took your coat off, Chuck said, "Ma, ma, come and come and sing. Um, we shall overcome. You know, come and sing it." And and you dropped the groceries in the kitchen, and you came back in the in the living room where the piano was, and, and he started playing, mm-hmm. and you started singing, and that that was how this rather, coming in out of the cold. He didn't give me a chance to warm up at all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> he knew that you would pull this off. So, oh. yeah, I love. I totally love listening to this. Don't be put off, uh, listeners, by the first phrase or two, because May isn't singing right near the tape recorder, and then she moved closer and got louder. So let's enjoy this. We shall overcome, and we'll come back and say goodbye after this wonderful hour with May Gibson Brown. This song her keep for a reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Plus, you still she doesn't mind. Uh-uh. <laughs> My mother's a ham. You forgot this is mine. 
Harmony with it. <laughs> I was trying. I think I was getting in people's way, but uh, yeah, I was, I was more or less on pitch anyway. But um, one, one thing, what you missed on that is he said, oh, oh, you forget this is my mother. Not that it's his song. You said you calling her in and you didn't ask her first. He said, oh, but you got to remember, she, this is my mother. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? What, you know, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a flow with whatever he was asking me to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you stepped right Thank up. Thank you so much for for uh, sharing my child's life with others. It's I appreciate it so much. My pleasure and my privilege to do that. As I, in my own way, I feel like I I drank at the cup of mm-hmm. of his genius, and it meant so much to me. As mm-hmm. as I pointed out, as a, as a composer and a fellow musician with him in the band, mm-hmm. and uh, what what an exciting and thrilling experience it was to have somebody of that stature just before you one of the other things that he did that was very meaningful he was part of creating a, a all-male vocal band that was called restored and it's still going on in maryland area now hmm. it's it's about it was six or seven men and they still singing together as a matter of fact i talked to one of them on yesterday the band is called Restored. It's a vocal band where they do all, you know, the parts. Very little music is done with it, and sometimes no music. So he was part of the, of being restored. I, I, I was amazed to find out that in the Maryland area, he was known as the man with the liquid gold voice. <laughs> so I'm learning a lot more even after his passing of things that he did and has done, you know. Right. I'm so really happy to hear that Salt and Pepper is still up and running and, and yes. getting ready to do concerts. And I guess you've pulled back uh, for a whole lot of reasons, but who knows, maybe maybe one of these days, you know, you'll rejoin it. I definitely will. Oh. I definitely will. The, the present director contacted me today, and I will at some point be back with them, Lord willing. Oh, that is great news for all of us. I really, really can't wait, wait to hear you. For, for having me on tonight. It was a blessing to hear the voices, his voice again, and and the things that were the songs that sing that had a lot of meaning to it. Thank you, Richard. You've done a wonderful job. Well, thank you, May. It's, it's been a fantastic journey for me too. Thank you so much, May Gibson Brown, a mother of Chuck Brown, who recently died, and whose artistic legacy will survive him for for many years. As will Mae Gibson's, Mae Gibson Brown's. You heard her singing. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind as to where he got his gospel chops. You know, after he. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to definitely be in touch with you. I want to stay in touch with you, May, if that's okay with you. That would be wonderful. Okay. Have a wonderful evening, Richard. Thanks. Good. Take good care. Okay. 
Circle, be unbroken. 